Agents Podcast. Welcome to the Lab Code Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Lab Code Agents Marketing Center. The LCA Marketing Center is designed specifically for the real estate world. It's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play. From flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at lcamarketingcenter.com. Okay, welcome back, Lab Coat Nation, to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. And I'm excited today for a guest that uh, I didn't, didn't know him until I read his bio, and I've just gotten to know him just for a brief moment before we went uh, started recording here. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a sports fan, and so when I read this guy's bio, it immediately just grabbed my heart because we're going to be talking to an ex-professional hockey player today. And for me, as most of you know, I live in St. Louis, and I'm a Blues fan. And this gentleman just so happened to get drafted by the St. Louis Blues, played in the NHL for two or four years, two with the good guys, two with the bad, and then went across seas uh, to play in Europe for four years. And when his hockey career was over, uh, you can guess what he did. He jumped into real estate and has since done over 800 transactions. He started two very successful coaching programs, three virtual assistant staffing companies, which we're going to talk a lot about. And let's even throw in an appliance company, (laughs) uh, which I would love to hear about as well. Welcome to the show, Bob Lachance. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to obviously hear your story. And so I'm going to assume most of our audience, as usual, doesn't know who you are. Uh, So let's start with, uh, you know, kind of your upbringing. So I kind of teased it, uh, but let's talk about what you did, you know, going through your hockey career and then into real estate. Yeah, I grew up in a Connecticut small town called Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, my brother, I had two older brothers that played over me you know, a little bit before me. My father coached me, so I you know, probably played every sport in, in there is out there. So fast forward, went to college, went to Boston University, uh, played there for four years, fortunate enough to win a national championship there, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then I got drafted by St. Louis, like you said already. Uh, so I played in their organization for a number of years, and then um, another organization, and then four more years in Europe, not to fast forward it, but... My hockey career was about eight years long, uh, and you know, by the time I was at the end of my career, I had to think about what industry I wanted to jump in. Um, and I did forget to mention that I went to school for four years, but still did not get my degree. So I had zero, zero, uh, any type of degree to fall back on. So I had to make sure I joined an industry that did not have any barriers of entry. So that was real estate and real estate investing or any type of real estate. Awesome. Awesome. And so, so first of all, Bristol, that's the home of ESPN. I just got to throw that in there, right? Um, home, yep. It's, it's kind <laughs> of known for that. Sorry to take this down that path. Uh, okay. So you, 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 first of all, you went to four years of college, but didn't get your degree. Why? <laughs> well, I got offered a, uh, I got offered a two-year deal by St. Louis. So it was either, they offered a uh, $110,000 signing. Well, this is back. I'm talking about 1996. So the money's a little different now. Uh, but they offered me either $110,000 to take today or possibly wasn't going to be there if I graduated and the, and the season was done. So just like any young kid, I took the money and I said, you know what, there's always time to go back to school. And fast forward, I don't know how many years, I still have not gone back to school to get my degree, but I got into different types of education. 
education, which was uh, the real estate education side for a while. So awesome. Awesome. So, so fast forward to, I think it was roughly 2004 ish, right? So 96 to 2004, yep. uh, you jumped into real estate. What was the first endeavor that you went after when you went into real estate? So I first jumped into real estate. Uh, I read a book, you know, just like all of us. We read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Many of us got us uh, involved in real estate. I went online. I also did a bunch of different research on whether it's real estate agency, whether it's real estate investing, apartments. I think a lot of us were, you know, were interested in getting an apartments, even though it's not the easiest thing to do if you're brand new. So there's a there's typically a stepping stone starting with either wholesaling, rehabbing getting your license, and then starting to get into buying holes and multifamily. But I didn't know that back then. So the first deal I did was a, a rehab property. So I drove around neighborhoods, farming neighborhoods, um, looking at any type of property that looked distressed. So I called, it was this one's action, it listed property, I talked to the agent, ended up being vacant, uh, put an offer on the property, they accepted it. And um, I was scared out of my mind because I had no idea what to do. I wasn't a rehabber. I wasn't, you know, I thought I was. I had no idea what to do. I had, you know, I had money that I did put away, but I also didn't have any contractors. You know, I didn't know how to manage contractors. So anyway, figured it out. Uh, two months later, I ended up flipping it for, I think it was about a $32,000 profit, which was pretty cool. But I realized very quickly I had zero systems. I had zero processes. I had no other projects to work on. So I figured, you know, I have to do something else. So I joined the local real estate investment association and then um, just started meeting people. And I met my mentor back in 2004 and then uh, ended up jumping into short sales and, you know, got into that crazy world back then. Wow. Okay. So this is 2004. So anybody who's been around the business knows what's coming in 07 and 08, yep. which was just a massive crash. So, so kind of tell us, so what, what then happened from, you know, 04 to the crash? I assume you probably had some success. And then what happened to your business after or during and after the crash? That's pretty interesting. So back in 2004, 2005, like I said, I got my, my mentor buddy, uh, ended up being a business partner for about 10 years. Um, we started speaking on stage and teaching short sales because we've, you know, through the years we've done over seven, eight hundred short sale transactions. So we got pretty good at it. Um, we also started a loss mitigation company where we were doing, um, we were doing short sales for not only our own investment company, but we we're also doing short sales for agents, short sales for other investors. So in 2005, the end of 2005, we got asked uh, by another education program to run the back end of their coaching program. So it was a mentor program. So we helped create the back end of that particular program. And then two years later, we had another company, a very sizable company come to us and say, Hey, we know you're involved with this company. Um, but they pretty much, you know, took us from that company and said, Hey, we want you to build this with me. Uh, so we jumped on board as local guys here in Connecticut, uh, end up being one of the biggest uh, real estate education companies on the, on the uh, investment side in the United States for a long time. And then um, through the years, uh, flipping properties, you know, working with agents, short sales, et cetera, um, I realized there's a huge need in the industry. You know, there's a ton of agents, a ton of investors that I was working with on a daily basis. And there's something that kept coming up. The main thing was I need more time in my day. I need to become more efficient. I need to get more done. I need to scale my business. So I was looking for years upon years on an industry or a service that could help. And then in 2013, I got introduced to a virtual assistant and I had no idea, true disclosure, I had no idea what a virtual assistant was back in 2013. I saw a couple, what were they called back then? Webinars. 
not podcasts, their webinars back then. Um, and I think uh, I got involved and I, I got my first virtual assistant in the mid 2013, you know, screwed up a couple of times. I didn't know how to hire. I didn't know how to bring them on. There's a lot of pain points in that. Um, so 2014 light bulb went off. I said, you know what? There's a huge need in the real estate space. Doesn't matter if you're an agent, if you're an investor, you're a property manager. There's a huge need in our space for help, trained help, not just regular help, trained help. So I put all of my education background, the real estate education side, not the education back in school, but the real estate education and knowledge of, of what I helped create within the education coaching programs. And I put that to uh, real estate trained virtual assistants. So it took a long time. I started a company out of the Philippines. Uh, it took me about a year to two years to figure out proof of concept that it actually was something that uh, agents and investors and property managers needed. And then um, fast forward to today. Interesting. And so, and the name of this company that you started was, is called Riva Global, correct? Riva Global, correct. Got it. And it's based out of Connecticut or based out of the Philippines? So my home office is in Connecticut. We also have an office out of the Philippines. Um, we have a recruiting department out of there. We have a, a training department, placements department, operations, and all my HRs out of, out of the Philippines. Interesting. Okay. So when you said, okay, so first of all, like you said, 2013, which VAs were probably basically, you know, it was, it was a foreign language. Like nobody knew what the yep. heck that was. Obviously, social media wasn't what it is today. And nothing virtual was what it is today, especially today, today, um, after after Corona. So, yep. so tell us about for what you did. So let's 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 rewind back the clock to 2013 when you hired your first VA. What were you hiring them to do for you? Was it on the investment side? And by the way, did you ever get your license to sell real estate? I did. I got my license around 2005 and I've had it for a long time. I let it lapse. I'm actually going back now using this opportunity to go back right now and get it again because I'm doing a lot more work with, and there's a lot of different models out there that weren't back then in reference to being, you know, different type of real estate agent models out there that can be very profitable. We have a, we have a very good footprint nationwide. So there's other, other things that we can do as well as a business. So if I put my business hat on, there's just some very good uh, structured companies out there that would work well with the community that we have. Interesting. Okay, cool. So, so you're using this COVID time to go back and, and, and re and, and re-engage your license basically. Okay. So yeah, I, th I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of us to go back in, whether it's re-educate ourselves or learn maybe in, you know, for a real estate agent, maybe learn um, how to buy and hold and build that our passive income when you're, you know, while you're, you're working with a real estate license. I think it's very, very smart nowadays to do that. A hundred percent. And if, and if you're living under a rock and don't realize that, I mean, just lab code agents <laughs> itself. I think we've been averaging 12 webinars a week since this started. And we've just been going all in on content, content, content. It's awesome. There's definitely not a shortage of it. I can tell you that. Okay. So in 2013, you hired your first VA. What was the purpose then? Purpose then was lead generation. So there's okay. two of them. One was building a buyer's list. So in the investment world and obviously in the agent world too, it's, you know, you're building your buyer's list. Then every property that comes in, we do a lot of marketing, whether it's direct mail, cold calling, now text messaging, right? Different types of meetings on, on uh, bringing in motivated sellers. So then what we wanted to do is turn those properties over pretty quick. So we spent a lot of time as well. We had a VA building buyers list on the, on the back end and on the front end of, of bringing in motivated sellers on the lead generation side. 
Interesting. Okay. So, and maybe let me digress for a second because I don't want to assume that everybody just is very familiar with virtual assistants. Let's let's talk about as it pertains to real estate, why a real estate agent would consider hiring a VA. And then let's go back and go deeper into Perfect. what they can do for you. So talk about what yep. the many things a VA can do for a real estate agent. Okay. So if you look at real estate agent tasks, there's probably around 80, maybe more than this. So let's go 88 tasks. You have pre-listing tasks, you have listing tasks, you have sale pending duties, and you have post-closing tasks. And that's not even, that has nothing to do with even your lead generation or lead follow-up on the front end before they, you know, before you even get that listing, right? Social media branding, et cetera. But there's so many tasks that you have to do in the real estate agent world. You know, think about this. You, even if you get one property uh, under contract that's listed, there's so many tasks. Now you have to go home. You have to fill out all this paperwork. You have to upload it here. You have to upload it there. There's just so many tasks. Instead, you, know, you could offload that to somebody else and, and have your life back and have your time back. Because, you know, the way I look at it is you know, we only have so much time in our day. And the older that we get, um, the, the more important time actually becomes. Mm -hmm. Or how we want to spend it anyway. Uh, so, yep. so, so let me ask you this. What is the most popular reason or use that a, a real estate agent has for hiring a VA? What's the most commonly used reason? So there's two of them. One of them is lead generation on the front end. Um, so I could probably say three. So it's lead generation. It's consistent follow-up because that's a big challenge with a lot of real estate agents that we see is they pay a crap ton of money for whether it's Zillow leads, wherever they're buying their leads from uh, Red X, doesn't matter. They're paying a lot of money for those leads every single month. And what I've realized talking to uh, many agents is that, you know, they buy, let's say a hundred hypothetically, and they'll only call 50 of them. Maybe they'll get a hold of 10 of them and then they'll rinse and repeat the next month. Before you know it, they're sitting on a lot of money, first of all, that was wasted because, you know, they got busy, they got a listing, they want a listing appointment and they, they let all of that admin, it's not, this isn't even admin work. This is more on the lead generation side, but they let all of that necessary work go by the wayside while they're sitting there um, and getting listings done or showing properties. Because, you know, if you look at this um, and you look at any type of industry, if you don't have leads, you don't have a business. And then the other one finally is transaction coordinating. Once it's property, once they actually get a, a listing and then there's a laundry list of tasks on top of that. Let's talk about the lead gen and follow-up piece, first of all. So, you know, you're not hiring a VA to generate the lead. Typically, you're hiring the VA to work the leads that you're already buying from the Zillow or the RDCs or whatever, correct? You can, but I could throw a twist in on that. And this is what we do. This is where you marry, you, you marry the investor kind of mindset into real estate agents, right? Think about this. In my area, I have a virtual assistant go on to my judicial website and pull all of my pre-foreclosure leads, right? So we get them exactly right away. So every single day, I have a virtual assistant go in. I live in Connecticut. So if anyone, any of you listening live in Connecticut, I highly recommend using this strategy. You go into the judicial website, you log in, whether you're in New Haven County, Hartford County, wherever it is. But every single day, there's new pre-foreclosure list that's provided. And we have our VA go into every single one of those and track it on a daily basis. So then we know if a homeowner filed an appearance and if they did not, what that means is they did not file an appearance. That means they are not going to get any of the paperwork that the court sends them. So they have no idea when a sale date gets set, a foreclosure auction date gets set. 
So we track those every single day to where we want the foreclosure sale dates lists immediately. And within that field online is pretty cool. Online, they actually give a lot of times, not, not 100% of the times, but about 80% of the time, they actually have a phone number attached to that client. So now our VA texts them and calls them, asks them if they're interested in an offer. Could be the same, same exact strategy for a real estate agent, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just a very unique way to then generate a lead. You could also do the same thing for probates, tax liens, right? Evictions, code violations. I know it's very common on, on for sale by owners, very common for expired. It's getting more common um, for rentals, properties that are rented. I live in Connecticut and we hit the rental market very, very hard because of, I mean, look what's going on today with COVID, a very good opportunity. If your tenant's not paying anymore, right? Now they're lifting the ability to evict. So now the courts are gonna be flooded. Landlords, what you want to look for is a tired landlord and we're very, very good response. So, so I know I just laid a ton on you, but I want to make sure it just separated that because you could use the VA to actually generate leads for you. No, I love it. And actually, I mean, it brings up a very interesting topic and I, and I, here's the deal. First of all, when, when we do these podcasts, you know, and, and this is for our audience, I think you guys know this by now, we don't go in with a very, with, with a strict set of, of, of outline of exactly how we're going to, how we're going to, what we're going to discuss. Like we just go down rabbit holes all the time because whatever's interesting is interesting. What you just brought up is very interesting uh, because I don't think a lot of realtors listening to this ever thought about that. And you're very, you were very specific to mention Connecticut. Uh, do you know if they have that same ability in many other States or are you, are you not aware? Any, any state that's online, the answer would be yes. You just got to figure out the system in your state, right? And it's very, very simple. Just go on, do a little research. You probably even go to YouTube and there most likely could be a video on it. Uh, yeah. But I would definitely do that. Maybe talk to your title company attorney, see if it's online. Um, that's where I would start. It's awesome. And I think just, I think just that alone is, is interesting because like you said, an agent may not have even realized that uh, when you have that foreclosure list and if the, if the homeowner doesn't respond, it means they're not even going to know when the sale date is, which just kind of gives you a leg up and you know which ones to attack, basically. That's yep. in my, that. And just to give you, give you a little context too, my business partner has his license and in just the last month, he's got 10 new listings wow. just on this strategy. So it works. It, it's <laughs> it not, works. so it's not, in, in other words, this is not just about buying homes and flipping them potentially. Right. It's also about getting listings. That's crazy. It's a huge way. It's way easier to get a listing than for me to discount it down to a, you know, price that's is 60% of what the value is, right? Or 70%, whatever the number is that I buy it at. It's way easier for us to get a listing than it is to actually get that bigger discount. So was it safe to say that as an agent, you're basically beating the bank or the courts to the foreclosure and trying to get this thing sold uh, to basically clear them of that black mark, essentially? Hundred percent. You are definitely beating the banks. That's one hundred percent right. And you're beating all the competition because I could promise you. Again, I'm, I'm nobody's doing. And I can't say nobody because there's probably there could be one or two percent of individuals aren't doing this, but they aren't the same people that are buying the for sale by owners and expired. And there's a thousand people on top of those lists. These are different lists that you could target. Um, again, I recommend doing all of it, but this is a niche that I would highly recommend just trying and sticking with it. You try it for two months. If you don't get a listing, call me and I'll, we, we could go over why you didn't get a listing on that because there might be something you need to tweak, but it worked. Interesting. It, which, which probably leads us back to the coaching programs that you've built as well, because when you're great at something, you teach it. That's just the way it goes. I mean, we, we, we right. know that all too well. 
Awesome. Okay, so so let's go back to what the VAs are doing now. And I think that gives them, and, and I apologize for those of you that really wanted to stay on that track. I totally took us off track, but I thought that was fascinating. Uh, so when it comes to the VAs, though, it's just kind of a testament to what they can do. So now let's stay on that strategy. And it's somewhat complex. Um, what is entailed with training a VA, uh, number one, and 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 I guess kind of a question that prefaces that is how do you find the right person who fits that mold? So one of the things we do, we do train them on a lot. We put them through a whole month of training tasks that um, real estate professionals actually do. But one of the things that just to answer your first question, if I was going to hire, let's say I didn't have a company, right? I didn't have a virtual assistant company and I was going to hire one myself. What I would do is I would create videos. Like, so for instance, let's go over this pre-foreclosure example i would actually i would record my screen i would go, go into the judicial website and i go through each step of the process and then i would record it 10 minute video i'd send it my virtual assistant then what i would do is i would show them how to actually scrape all of these different leads put it into a google doc in the right order that i want right on a, on a consistent basis daily basis all the way top to bottom, then I would skip trace it. I would have my virtual assistant go online, whether it's 411.com or there's a lot of different skip trace companies to find the best phone number for that individual in pre-foreclosure. Then the next step, so step one would be doing a video, right? To actually show or show them how to actually get the list. Then I would put the list into a Google doc. Then I would do a video on how to skip trace. And then I would do a video on how to cold call an outbound dial or text right now to be able to, you know, uh, set the actual appointment for me as the agent. So those are the steps that I would take. So let me ask you this. So first of all, when you're doing those videos, you're doing screen share type videos or you're actually videoing so, yourself doing this? Yeah, you're videoing yourself doing it first. But when you, you know, when you do hire a VA, then you could actually do the same exact thing. You do, you do a screen share. And then you record the screen, then send it over to them. Which so then you consistently train yourself. Which, if anybody is doesn't know how to do that, you can use that in Zoom. You can do that with Bomb. Huh? You can do that with a number of softwares. Okay, interesting. So obviously, so first of all, you, you, that's how you train them. But are you are you training one VA to do all of those tasks, or are each one of those tasks a separate VA? So what I do is I look at, and that that's a great question because. A lot of VAs, you either have a part-time virtual assistant, full-time virtual assistant, or a project-based virtual assistant. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of individuals kind of mix those two up, right? Um, so what I do is I look at, I would recommend you write down all of the tasks that you need. Start with a part-time VA, and then you could always add hours to a full-time VA if you realize that they can't you know, look at, they, they can't uh, do all of those tasks in a different day. And please keep in mind, a virtual assistant is a human being, right? They are just like somebody that is sitting in your office, right? But there's a wall in front of you and you have to talk to them over a headset, right? There's no difference between, you know, a someone sitting in your office and someone over in the Philippines or someone over wherever. I get that misconception a lot where people are, oh, it's just a VA. Well, VA has a family, right? <laughs> they have to feed their family. They work their butts off, right? It's the same thing. I mean, that's why there's virtual assistants in the United States as well, right? So there's, it doesn't have to be someone from a different country. So I would definitely, definitely work um, and just look at your calendar and go through each step. I always like 
like to say um, um, time in motion. So if you did those tasks yourself, I would jot them down and document each one of them to see how long it takes for that particular task. Then your expectations can be met. If you don't do that, you know, you're going you're gonna to listen to a podcast that someone says, oh, a virtual assistant could do 9,452 tasks all in one day. And then you're not, you know, you're not going to be set up for, for success right off the bat. So just, that's just a little advice I want to give. So you bring up a good point, though, uh, when it comes to the human nature of a VA. They are humans. They're also, in a lot of cases, in the Philippines. And, and I've got a couple of questions. But first things first, okay, the Philippines, I have no idea what time it is there. Uh, but it's probably a completely different time of day than it is here. Uh, so how does that work with your VAs? Because I don't, I, I, does it really behoove me to have a, a, an assistant, let's just call it, working in the middle of the night when I'm not, when I'm sleeping? Right. So here, here's what I say with virtual assistants. So just to go with the time, it's 12-hour difference. So I'm, I'm in the East Coast. So it's just 12-hour difference. They work the night shift. So it's very common. That's the call center shift. So if you look at all call centers that are over there, they work the night shifts. So just to put in a little context, um, and I get this question a lot, you know, why did you pick the, the Philippines over, I don't know, the, over Russia, over, um, I don't know, somewhere else, wherever India, else, right? Sure. In, India, yeah, India. So one of the things is English is one of the national languages in the Philippines. So that's one of the main reasons. Um, their proficiency is excellent. They have neutral accent. Um, again, we weed through all of this to make sure that we get these. We go through probably about 400 resumes per month, right? As we as we siphon through them, which is a lot of obviously a lot of uh, work that we do there. Uh, they have a neutral uh, accent, like I said before. Um, high value in education. All of our VAs have a four year a college degree, um, and you know they're natural caretakers. And if you if you've ever, you know, worked with any virtual assistants in the Philippines, they're very e eager to serve, which means, you know, my business is their business. So it's a really, really good place to, for us to work um, and set a company up. So, um, yeah, that's a long story. I know I just went off on a tangent. No, but I, I even answered your question. No, no, that's <laughs> Well, so, so when you say the night shift, what is the night shift for them? Like, what are all those hours? So they work from, let's say it's nine to five here. Let's say they work nine at night to five in the morning. Wow, that's crazy. Which which also puts it into context as to what they're sacrificing to do what they do. And I, I assume it probably pays well relative to their what what their opportunities are in the Philippines. But yeah. which leads me to the next topic, which is how much does it cost for a VA? And and that's a two part question because that's first because I think everybody's thinking it like okay. How much yep. does it cost? Why wouldn't I just hire a, 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 an assistant who's in my market, somebody who's going to come to my office every day? Um, and then what is the difference? So now I've got three parts to this question. What is the difference between an American VA and a overseas VA? So I. Yeah, so for us, sorry. yeah, that, great. No, great question. So what we do is we have a. So if the, you have a full-time VA with us, it's $9.60 an hour. There's no hidden like fees or no hidden everything or anything. And for part-time, it's ten sixty an hour. Uh, so the difference with somebody here and somebody over in the Philippines, you know, I know here in Connecticut, um, if I want to hire someone with a four-year college degree coming out of college, they command about $48,000 a year. And that's you know, that is not including benefits, that's not including insurance, that's not including anything. 
in the Philippines, just as a company, we pay for all their insurance and all that's included um, along with the benefits included in that either 960 or 1060. So the difference um, that you're going to get is typically um, you're going to pay here in the United States around, and it does, it varies all over wherever you live, right? It, it's different from where I live, where, you know, in California, you know, you can't get anybody for $20 an hour. That's, you know, that's going to be very, very good, right? Like I said, I have a used appliance company. Uh, my tech guys that are cleaning and, and fixing my used appliance company appliances, we pay them about $13 an hour and I can never get them to work on a phone here, right? I just can't, it's not the same quality. So I would much rather get a college educated individual over in the Philippines that works for us that we train and works underneath our umbrella and, and that we offer the benefits. So I guess, I don't know if that answered your question, but I, that's kind of, if I miss something, let me know. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, I think you probably get a different attitude from someone over there than you probably get over here because let's be honest, we're, we're a little bit of a, of an entitled society, especially <laughs> the younger generations and, and good or bad. It just is what it is. We're very yep. fortunate, obviously. Yep. Uh, whereas obviously if, and that's a common cost by the way, because we have familiarity with a, a, a variety of virtual assistant companies. And if you think about it, there's got to be margin in there. So imagine what they're actually bringing home, which goes to tell you, and they're pro again, it's probably a good living in the Philippines. So just imagine what it's like to live in that type of a country. It's just, you know, it's, it's put it, it, it allows you to put it in perspective and so you don't take things for granted, basically. Okay. Yeah, cool. And so, you know, in, in, so on top of that, so we, we competitively pay them. So just so if anyone's thinking that, so they're, they're very competitively paid and just to anchor back what you said, you know, they are very, very happy um, and they work very hard. And that's one of the things that, that, you know, I grew up in a hockey locker room and playing sports all my life. And, you know, I personally want to work with people that work hard, right. Um, you know, anyone who makes excuses, I don't have, I don't really have that much patience for that because, you know, all the hard work that it takes to run a business, whether it's an agent investment company, a property manager, it doesn't matter. You got to work hard hard in this industry because there's a lot of competition. You know, if there's a house listed across the street, right, or there's a vacant house over there, I'm going to go to that vacant house and work harder than, you know, my competition to find out who owns that house so I could possibly list it. It's just, you know, thinking outside the box and working hard. I just wanted to yeah. just throw that in there. No, it's great. I love it. I love it. And I think it's, again, it's putting this in perspective for a lot of people. So let's now take it one step further. So we talked a little bit about the lead gen. Uh, let's talk about the follow-up, which, uh, so my first reaction is, okay, why do I need that human for follow-up when I already have, you know, Commissions Inc. or I have Boomtown or I have this badass CRM uh, that my broker provides for me? Why do I need a VA for follow-up? Yep. Very good question. If you look at all the follow, I mean, if you look at the statistics on follow-up, right, you know, your first interaction, there's only about 2% of all of that first interaction, they close. They either get a listing, they get under contract, the first, it's only 2% on that first interaction. Then if you, you know, you use a CRM, then you'll get them in an email drip campaign, which is 100% definitely should. Also a text message campaign, but when you add in the human nature, the human touch to it, we do a, uh, a nurture campaign every 14th and 28th of the month. And then we rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You know, statistically it takes about eight touches to get whether it's a listing or a property under contract. So we just see a higher margin of closings with the human touch rather than, and again, I recommend doing it all, but adding in the human touch just gives it another human element call. I'd much rather get a phone call 
from somebody that leaves a message rather than just a, a computerized something. So it's just a human touch, letting everyone know if I'm an agent, um, you know, I want to build up my sphere of influence. I want to make sure everyone knows I'm around, etc. So um, that's what we've found to be uh, a lot more successful than just an, e- an email and text. So do you suggest that when you hire a VA for lead follow-up, you're hiring them to be to work in conjunction with an automation system? 100%, and, 100%. And teach them how to use the CRM as well, because um, there's so many different CRMs out there that are very useful. I mean, the unfortunate challenge is a lot of these CR- CRMs have so many bells and whistles that we don't even know half of the stuff that, are, <laughs> that we could use them for, right? So you just use them for, let's say, a quarter, uh, a quarter of what you can use it for, and then um, you can have your virtual assistant or somebody else run the CRM for you. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So then let's take it one step further now and let's talk about TC services. So, so transaction coordination and, and we actually ironically just had a TC company on one of our webinars uh, on lab code agents. And so this is kind of a different perspective because that's all uh, over on this side of, of the ocean, mm-hmm. right? It's in, it's in our country. What would be, what would be some of the better reasons why an agent would again, because this is the probably the, the biggest place where they would hire a full-time assistant. So mm-hmm. would you say that hiring a, a VA to be a TC is better used as a kind of like next step? So first of all, agent gets into business, they do all the paperwork themselves. Then they realize, well, I can't scale if I don't hire somebody to help me. Is that where TC comes or VA comes into play? Or could it also just be a full-time TC? Yeah, no, that's where a VA comes in. It could be a full-time TC as well, right? Because uh, virtual assistants, we have many virtual assistants on our team that actually do those roles as well. Um, it all depends on, I mean, think about this. Probably 90% of everything that we do now is either on the phone or the internet. So it doesn't matter where you live, yeah. right? So that's, that's the interesting part, especially now during COVID, everyone's learning how to do what we're doing right now. Right. I mean, there's there's virtual closings right now where people don't even have to sign. You got DocuSign. So there's you know, we're in a we're in a very interesting time. And there's going to be a lot of changes going on in our industry that is going to benefit the virtual model. Right. Because there's going to be a lot less um, me shaking your hand and there's going to be more of this stuff. So that's the way I, I do see it going. Um, you know, transaction coordinators or real estate agents have been using virtual assistants to do TC work for a long time. So it's nothing, you know, nothing that I am creating or, or anybody else is creating. They've used them for, for a number, number of years. Interesting. So, so this is almost like a, a, a crawl before you walk thing, folks. So when you're thinking to yourself, that's scary to go from, I do it myself. I know I need somebody, but I don't think I can afford a $40,000 salary. This is the way you can do it and you can crawl before you walk, or maybe you'll fall in love with it and just keep it in perpetuity. I guess some of the objections that I would think uh, would be, okay, you mentioned that there's not, there's, there's very little accent. So when there's a phone call interaction with a client, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be super obvious that it's a call center and, you know, 10 buck two. Right. But, but also it, it, do, do these, are, are they, are they adept? And I assume that you train them on this, but to have these conversations with our clients about real estate related matters. I mean, things that could go sideways with an upset client. Are they trained to be able to handle the emotion that can come along with buying a home? Yep. So I say, here's the way I look at it. A lot of individuals, whether we're here or in the Philippines, like to work off checklists. So in every office, every agent has their own system, right? We'll have their own checklist. Let's say, you know, your pre-listing check 
checklist may be a little different than someone from from Keller Williams, someone from Remax, someone from EXP, whatever it is, they're all different checklists, but the same. So for instance, you know, if you're doing a, a if you're doing um, um, a pre-listing and you want your virtual assistant to, you know, pull comparables, they could do that. They could pull flood maps, they could pull plot plan, they could pull uh, legal descriptions. So there's a list of tasks that they could pull that's just time consuming for us. And it doesn't matter if you're a transaction coordinator or you're a virtual assistant transaction coordinator. Those are just some tasks that are easily done, but time consuming for us to do. So those are the things that get off your plate right away. I mean, think about this. If I'm going on a listing appointment and I have to call my virtual assistant to say, hey, I'm going on a listing appointment at 123 Main Street and they know how to put that package together for me and I don't have to do anything, you know, that's a, that's a huge win for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you say that that, so again, let me go back to the question, which was one of the most, you know, the highest use or most popular, if you will, use of a VA it, when it when it as it pertains to to a TC to a transaction coordination, is that what it is? What, give me give me the give me the top three reasons why an agent should hire a VA to be a TC. It buys you time. It allows you to spend all of your time on money making activities, right? And and one of the things that I always do is every time I'm talking to somebody who says, "Hey, should I actually use a virtual assistant?" So I'll have them take a piece of paper, right, and I'll write a line in the middle of the paper, and I'll put ink producing tasks, non-income producing tasks, and then all the non-income producing tasks are usually you know, way off the paper. And then they can look at it and they say, okay, huh, I actually realized that a lot of these have to do with transaction coordinating. Doesn't put any money in my pocket. Instead of going home at night and spending, you know, spending five hours on doing all this paperwork, I could just hand it off to somebody else while I could have dinner with my family. Or I could go to my son's hockey game because I'm coaching their hockey game or whatever it is, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, not right now, but later on when stuff opens up. But yeah, so it's, it, that's the exercise that I always go through with, with clients. Spend time prospecting. Spend time trying yep. to find new business. Spend time creating content. I mean, yep. There's so many different ways you could, you could take this. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so is there anything else that we missed? We talked about lead gen. We talked about follow-up. We talk, talked about transaction coordination. Uh, that you would want to add to it of why an agent would want to hire a, a VA potentially. Yeah. Also look at some other time consuming activities, you know, um, social media branding is one of them, right? In branding our business, it's, it's, that's time, very, very time consuming, right? You know, you're posting to LinkedIn, you're posting to Facebook, you're posting to different sites, right? They're very, very good at consistently doing that on a daily basis. I get a call from my buddy, the other day on LinkedIn, he's like, oh, you're all over LinkedIn. And it's because I did a podcast and I had no idea my VA actually uploaded it. So he's been, you know, every single day, VA just keeps going posting, 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 which obviously makes me more visible. And I'm not the one doing the heavy lifting there because if it was up to me, I guarantee I would have probably started one week. I would have been all fired up. I went out, I would listen to a podcast or I'd go online to get an online training on social media, whatever it is. And I'd be all gung ho. And then the next week, yeah, I'd be tired. I was, eh, Monday, I, I forgot to do it. Tuesday, I got back in. Wednesday, yeah, I was a little late. Thursday, no. Friday, I'm golfing, whatever. You know what I mean? So it, that's just that's what happens in life. Life gets in the way. I love that you said that because uh, so social media is my game. That's my jam, that video. And so 
I do a lot of my own posting and I teach this and I teach people that they should document, don't create because it's a little bit easier. You're just turning the camera around in your life. It still is work though. And it's a lot of work. Like you just turning the camera on doesn't mean you have to maybe go edit the video or maybe that you, when you post it to your story that you need to add gifts or you need to add, uh, you know, titles or you need to add little fun animations. Right. And I actually do. So I, I post across five different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and TikTok. And I use a VA for Instagram and YouTube. And so, and two separate VAs, by the way, folks. And let me just tell you, and I'm, I'm speaking for Bob here, uh, just because I'm sure they do this and I'd love to add to this, but my VA on Instagram, for example, you know, she's got, she, her, part of her job was to get to know me. She's in the Philippines also, by the way. Yeah. And, and yeah. she gets to know me. And so it's like, what are your pillars? Like, what are, what are the, what are the types of content that are, define you? And so she watches what I post because I still do about 70% of my posting. But then she takes that and creates memes and creates quotes and takes and, 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 and brands it and keeps it very consistent with my brand. It always has my logo on it. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, it's very inexpensive for what I'm paying. And those days, which they're not many for me because I'm a freak, but those days when I don't <laughs> feel like posting or I'm like, crap, it's 11 p.m. I got to come pull something out of my rear end. I can go to Instagram and be like, ha, yes, she posted three times today for me, you know, yeah. and it's already done for you. And this stuff is critical, folks. It's not, you still have to lead in, you still have to follow up, you still have to have transaction coordination. But if you're not getting in the social media game bigger than ever, like you're, you're missing the boat on where the future is going and having, you know, somebody like a Bob LaChance's company in your corner to help you do that is so critical for success. And so does your, do your T or do your VAs, man, all these damn acronyms, <laughs> do your VAs, do they do that sort of thing? So when it comes to social media posting, you know, what do they do for your clients? Yeah. So they post every day. They set up a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They'll pull from different sources out there and put it on your page, just like it's your content, but they'll, they'll obviously tag it to someone else's content. But what it's doing, it's every single day, it's giving your viewers or your eyeballs some content to read. So it's got to obviously be valuable for whoever your your viewership is, right? Um, just like you said, there's video. There's so many things to do: video editing, there's content writing, there's just social media posting, there's helping when you have a listing on on blasting it all over the internet, right? So every single thing that what you just said on top of you know on a consistent basis, I think that's one of the things that is a big challenge. Like you said, you know, sometimes 11 o'clock and you're like, oh crap, I gotta I gotta post something. So if you have a set schedule, you could put a VA on having a set schedule. So you know if you specifically are looking at doing a, a YouTube campaign, let's, as an example, because if we're going to do videos and I'm going to do a video, do a YouTube, there's a lot of steps within that process that we don't even know, that we don't even see. So do it once, document it, and then outsource it, right? That's what I, that's what I recommend. I love it. And, and what you just mentioned, which is YouTube, for example, there's optimization, right? So that's the name of the game. So, so it gets, so you you show up higher on Google searches and like my VA creates custom thumbnails and they, they put in, you know, all the different tags throughout the videos that are like guiding the viewer to maybe go watch another video or to subscribe or to do all these things. They put an intro and an outro and folks, I'm telling you this stuff takes so much off my plate. I just have to create the content and then just fire it off. And then it's game yes. over. They do the rest. They even post it for you. And so it's, um, it's I love it, man. I'm glad, I'm glad we went, went down this path. I didn't even intend to, and I'm glad you mentioned it. So 
that's that's uh, if that's not enough reason right there, or if I'm not passionate enough about that reason, then you're <laughs> you're living. You're you probably don't have a pulse. So we're we're coming up on about 45 minutes uh, of recording so far, and that's kind of when we try to try to start wrapping things up. So do you have anything that we left out that you want to make sure that we include in this podcast? No, I just, you know, one thing I'd always recommend whether, you know, you use a VA or you don't just putting our business hats on, it's, you know, you got to keep going every single day, right? You got to work every day and it's okay. And it's, it's not saying, Hey, just work a thousand hours a day. No, it's being more efficient, right? Being more efficient with our time and really spending. Cause if you look at what any individual, whether it's in your office or a virtual assistant, they'll give you the ability to create efficiency and ability to scale your business or ability to get more time freedom because you know and I, we talk about time a lot because real estate agents are always they're going they're going they're going they're going they're going before you know it you know they're they're 50 years old and they're looking back and saying all right what the heck did i just do for the last 20 years instead of saying all right let me take a step back and it doesn't matter what age we are right I mean, I'm 46 right now. I have to ask my wife that all the time. How old am I? I'm 46 now. And I look back and I say, all right, what could you have done differently to outsource different tasks to make sure you have that time? So I do a lot of coaching. I coach my three kids in, in ice hockey. So for me, time is limited during the hockey season, right? So for me, I look at every single task that I do, like we went over that little exercise and I outsource all of the non-producing tasks. For me doing this with you, that's an income producing task for me, right? So I think that's very beneficial just to talk through this, that the other income producing tasks, like when I'm working on my real estate business, cold calling, I'm not cold calling. I started real estate, I door knocked every single Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day to pre-foreclosure houses. And, um, I don't recommend you do that, but if you do do that, it's, uh, it's definitely a high value. It's, it's a, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back because I get, I get a, a couple individuals that say it's still working in the real estate uh, agent world. And I have some that say, um, it's not working as good as it did, but instead of doing that, you could actually cold call and really, really leverage your time and have someone else do that for you. So to end it on that, I would definitely use your time wisely and just look through that lens of time and it'll really, really help you with your business. One last question before, you know, I, I have you give information on how people can find you and get a hold of you. Um, do you have any examples of how like hiring Reva or hiring a VA from any of your clients has impacted their business? Yeah. I mean, we have uh, agents that, like I said, I'll uh, use my partner. He's had 10 listings in the last month. On just that one thing that we, our one strategy that we covered at the beginning, mm -hmm. so that's a perfect example. I have other individuals that have you know close on the rehab side. I have some that have four of our virtual assistants on the property management side. Um, I have a a big coaching for, program that has over twenty of our virtual assistants as well. Um, so there's a lot of different types of tasks that we went over that they use them on. So um, I guess that's a that's the best answer for that question. I love it. It's it, here's one. There's one word that describes what a VA can do for your business, and that is allow you to scale. So if you don't understand what that means, I mean that's that's how you grow. That's how you take your business to another level. You cannot do it by yourself in any industry, not just real estate, mortgage, just being an entrepreneur, being a business owner. You have to scale, and uh, VAs have become. Uh, it's probably the way of the now, and definitely a bigger way of the future. And, and it's a scale affordably. 
right? Because, you know, like I said before, it's for me personally in Connecticut, it's very difficult to get someone with a four-year college degree because they want almost $50,000. You know, working with a virtual assistant is under $20,000, under $19,000 for a full-time individual. So um, that's the way you could, you could possibly measure it. I love it. I love it. So again, Bob, how can, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you, get a hold of your company, find you online, what are the best ways to get a hold of you? What are the best places or the best ways to find you online? Yeah, we're on, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, revaglobal.com, R-E-V-A global.com. We also have a Friday coffee. It's called Friday Coffee Break. It's a podcast on uh, Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it's just on Fridays. Um, it's an open Q&A. It's, uh, it's really fun. It's myself and uh, two other individuals that I've worked with for with a long time. So that's, and, uh, that is, and that is where? Where do they find that? Uh, that is on Facebook. Check it on Facebook. We're what, also on YouTube as well. Where to, what Facebook page do they go to to find that? Just uh, put in Friday Coffee Break and it'll go right there. We have Friday a page in a group. Yep. Awesome. Friday Coffee Break. And then on... on uh, on Facebook, I assume it's it's to find you as an individual. So it's Bob. Is it Bob Lachance? Is that how they can it's find Bob you? It's Bob Lachance. Yep. Yeah, and you could email me direct if you guys have any questions. Bob at RevaGlobal.com is a good way to get a hold of me as well. RevaGlobal.com and RevaGlobal.com is also the website as well. So that's very that's, that's awesome. Okay, perfect. Well, Bob, this has been fantastic, man. Um, and if anybody wants to, uh, you know, maybe go uh, pull up some old uh, hockey videos, I'm sure you can find that <laughs> online as well. Uh, the 1995 national champions for the for the or Boston University, which is which is pretty damn cool. If you've never been to a Frozen Four and you're a sports fan, that's a bucket lister right there. That's a fun time. They um, are fun. They are fun. I've been lucky enough to do that. So, Bob, this has been great, man. It's been great connecting with you. Great to meet you, and thank you for uh, sharing with our community. Yeah, appreciate having me. Thank you very much. Awesome. Take care, brother. Have a good day. Welcome Agents Podcast.